Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, how much is enough? There's a curious phenomenon whereby the larger the lotto jacket, the more people buy tickets for it, as if two or three million wouldn't do them. Yet, say if you win 40 million, that too can turn into a headache. So, a study carried out by the University of Bath set out to discover what is the right amount of money to live an ideal life. Dr. Paul Bain was lead researcher. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Sean. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, how many countries did you uh, in- include in this survey? Uh, we examined people's ideas about how much money they wanted in their ideal life in 33 countries. So that spanned Europe, Africa, South America, North America and Asia. So we tried to get a really good spread across the world. OK. And th- th- what kinds of questions did you ask them? It was a pretty basic question. We asked them to imagine their absolutely ideal life with all practical re- uh, constraints removed, just what would their ideal life be like? And then we asked them how much money essentially they would need to uh, achieve their ideal economic goals, their ideal life in terms of economic things. Mm. And we gave them options from, in local currency, from 10,000 US dollars to 100 billion, varying by, you know, a factor of 10, so 10,000, 100,000, 1 million, et cetera. And we told them that the chances of winning each of these lotteries were equal. We did it as a lottery just so um, basically we took out factors like, you know, to earn more money, you may have to work longer hours or take bigger risks. So we mm. tried to equate all of those things. And what we found is that most people, um, you might think, you know, more money is always better. So everyone should go for $100 billion. But actually, we found that most people were quite satisfied with either $1 million or $10 million US dollars. Right. OK. It averaged out around $8 million. Is that correct? Uh, that's the kind of currency conversion. So yeah. we asked people in local currency, and then we converted it all to US dollars. So uh, $10 million US dollars, you know, roughly 8,000, say, British pounds and probably, and we were working with British pounds in kind of Mm. our media release and probably um, Irish pounds would be similar, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, we have the euro. So, uh, the last time I was in Ireland was pre Euros. Okay, that was a while ago. You should come back, it's lovely. Uh, 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 Actually, I have been since. I should know better. I've just remembered now. Uh, uh, The um, and the the, in the survey, people's ideas of what an ideal life is were they largely the same? They were largely the same. So, we asked them, What's the most important change you would make in your life? Um, with the money that, that, you know, you would get in this hypothetical lottery. And most people were thinking about kind of personal things, like clearing debts, buying a house, providing education for themselves or their children and family. And basically, even though we asked them about their absolutely ideal life, a lot of it was things that were quite moderate, like, you know, like, say, a nice house, good education, being able to travel, there weren't these things like, you know, I want to buy the whole of Manhattan or, you know, <laughs> every best house in Dublin, which are things you, you could think that if you had unlimited wants, like if you always wanted more, 
then you should be aspiring to, you know, all these incredibly expensive things. But actually, the most important things were, you know, quite everyday, quite mm. humdrum now, in a way. But uh, you might say humdrum. I think quite reasonable. Yeah. Now, th- did that vary in terms of, say, age group? Uh, it did to some degree. So it was the case that overall younger people tended to have more of these unlimited wants. They were more likely to say they wanted 100 billion, but it varied across countries as well. So that was particularly the case in richer countries. In poorer countries, like less economically developed countries, there was a lot more even across ages. And that, I mean, we don't, I can only speculate, but I think. You know, if you're in a country where even your basic needs aren't met, aren't met when you're older and younger, you're probably going to be aspiring to more. Whereas in more kind of richer, economically developed countries, I think older people get this sense that, yes, we, we have more resources, but actually we don't need that much more to live a good life. Mm. Did that vary, if you like, based on the... Uh, socio-economic makeup of the country in the sense of countries that were more individualistic rather than countries that tended to be more collectivist, a collectivist. Did that vary at all? Um, It did to some degree, actually. So um, it might seem surprising that we found that people in more collectivistic countries where they're less about their own personal outcomes and more about the group outcomes, people tended to have these higher ones, these more unlimited ones, wanting $100 billion, uh, $100 billion or, you know, £80 billion, pounds, €80 billion. Euros. Um, and we asked them, like, when we asked them what they'd do with the money, it was the case that people who had more unlimited ones tended to talk about more kind of pro-social things like donating to charities or creating employment. Um, but we also, also asked about their personal values, whether they valued outcomes for themselves or whether they valued outcomes for others, helping others. And they were actually no more likely to say they value being helpful for others. So one way of kind of reconciling these two different things is their values weren't kind of more pro-social, but they said they'd use it for more pro-social things. Maybe they're talking about, you know, pro-social uses, charity, philanthropy, things like that. Mm. It's just a way to make it more socially acceptable to say, I want $100 billion. <laughs> that sounds a bit cynical, though. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> uh, it's one speculation. I'm not saying, you know, that's conclusive. But um, we, we had two kind of contradictory pieces of information, and mm. that's just one way to try and put them together. Yes, it indeed. could be the other way as well. Yeah, but it is interesting. And, and you know, you, you're a reader at the Department of Psychology, which is the interesting thing here. There was why, while we might assume that human nature is such as that we just want more and more, it's, it, mm. this survey would seem to indicate that's not the case. Yeah, well, I mean, my interest in this research came about because I was studying psychology and I was also studying economics. And they were giving me two very different pictures of human nature. So in economics, one of the first things we were taught in our first class is humans have infinite wants. And it was just stated as a fact of nature. Mm. And in psychology, I was learning that people have different values. Some people value wealth. Some people value helping each other. And we vary in all of these things. And so they seemed, what I was learning from these different disciplines seemed inconsistent. 
And so I went down the psychology route, mainly really interested in people's values and why some people valued wealth and some people valued other things. But over time, it became clear to me that I never really directly addressed this question that kind of came up in economics. And that's what kind of prompted this research to go, okay, let's focus on this core principle in economics of unlimited wants. And, um, you know, let's just ask people how much they want. Um, And that's the basis for it. But it also kind of took on some urgency because there is these questions about whether consumerism, materialism, like our kind of constant want for more, which kind of drives some of economic policy, um, it's actually good for the planet. And the evidence that, you know, the more materialistic and consumeristic we are, the more resources we use, the worse the outcomes for things like climate change. Yeah. And so thinking about, well, is it the case that may be really important at this moment to actually investigate this belief about human nature and identify whether it's, it's kind of valid or not. And to be honest, there are some people who, you know, around about 25% of our sample who do seem to have unlimited wants, who say, yeah, give me a hundred billion. There are even some people who said, you know, when we ask them, what would you do with a hundred billion? They'd say, I'd use it to buy more lottery tickets so I could get even more, you know, a hundred billion. Um, but they were the minority. Yeah. So well, well, there are those people out there. Like there are, you know, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk types or people aspiring to that. But I think what we were trying to show is that that is not kind of a universal human nature. There are people who are completely, um, could be completely satisfied with less. Though, it, would it be reasonable to assume that there must be a connection between how much you have and how much you want, uh, in the sense that, that the, way, uh, the way the consumer society drives this need to have new stuff all the time, and, you, and people tend to desire it if they just can't quite afford it, but if you can afford it, if you're relieved of the pressure of having to pay for stuff, you're probably yep. more calm about such things. Uh, possibly. We did ask about people's socioeconomic status, whether, you know, upper-class, middle-class, working-class, and that didn't seem to have an effect on their ideals. So it wasn't that, you know, richer, economically richer people were more likely to actually say, yeah, we want more. It was actually pretty constant. Mm. So we found that, but there is something, I mean, with all research, you take a big question and look at a chunk of it. And this chunk was just focusing on what people say they, their wants are now. There is a valid question, which you kind of alluded to, which is, well, what happens once we get all of our wants? Yeah. What happens then? Do we actually just go, ah, oh, we want more once we've got you know, what we aspire to, do we always kind of expand our wants? And that's part of uh, some research, some ongoing research we're doing now to take that chunk of the the bigger question. But I think it's important to realize that um, after, say, a certain income, there's a lot of research in social psychology showing that, you know, after we get maybe 75,000 US dollars to 100,000 income, having more income doesn't really make a big impact on our greater happiness. Yeah. And so it may be that, sure, our wants could expand once we have everything satisfied, or it could be that we come to a recognition that actually more money isn't going to make us happier. 
Yeah. And then we actually are just satisfied with, with what we have. We actually start to value more what we have rather than always aspiring for more. But there'll always be a subset of people who, no matter how much they have, will aspire for more. Did people say they'd give up work or, or was that a question? Um, we didn't ask that as a question, but when we asked the most important thing they would do, um, you know, with the money, some people didn't mention that, not having to work more. But actually, some people made a point of mentioning they would keep working mm. because they basically get value out of work and maybe, you know, going into the office, having friends and whatever. But it's not really about money. Yeah. Would so, you? Would you? You must have asked yourself that question. Um, would I? Well, would you give up work? I've have a, I have a, I have a, I have a check for eight million no, I, here, Paul. I would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I would keep doing research because that's what I love. That's why I'm an academic. Mm. So I wouldn't give that up. But would I give up, you know, administration if I had the choice, if I could negotiate out of that? Then yes, I would. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's, a, it's a more subtle answer, but I would keep doing research for as long as I possibly can because I think it's fascinating, you know, being too able to ask these questions. I, I just, you know, it gets me up in the morning. So yeah. absolutely, I'd keep working. Um, but to not have to work for money and to have a bit more choice about, you know, what I did and didn't do, I'd, I'd be trying to negotiate that. Paul, well, we look forward to uh, more of your research while perhaps wearing your, your, your set of gold hats while doing this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dr. Paul Bain is the lead researcher and a reader at the Department of Psychology at the University of Bath. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.